0: All right, the proceedings are wrapping up here at the Country Club in Salt Lake City where the 125th Utah State Amateur Golf Tournament is being played. We will give you an update on the leaderboard as they're starting to break down and the clouds are setting in. Looks like we might get a little rain. They move to uh, 32, round of 32 tomorrow, and then 16 the next day, and then uh, the final will take place coming up on Saturday here. But joining us now... Uh, the Utah Sports Writer of the Year. I believe I am supposed to refer to Sarah Todd as uh, Your Highness or Your Majesty, or We Stand a Queen. I guess the kids are saying these days. Sarah, did I did I do a decent job on the intro? Are those the correct monikers for you uh, today?
1: Yeah, uh, We Stand a Queen. You're one of the hip ones now, so you can say that. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. I am officially hit. My 22-year-old son will be so excited about that. All right, what was it like? I I, I saw the video of you getting your award. That must have been a really fun night for you. So congratulations, Sarah. What was that like?
1: Yeah, It was really, it was, honestly, I had to be sort of convinced to go to North Carolina to the awards banquet uh, by uh, my partner in crime, Colin. And so um, I'm really glad that he convinced me to. I mean, it was really special to have, uh, bill Plaschke, there inducted into the national sports media association hall of fame on the same night and he was the one that handed me my award when i got on stage and i just really respect him admire him and he was uh, the whole night was really incredible
0: so i i was not able to hear if you gave a speech so i'm just going to ask you if you did give a speech mm-hmm. did you happen to thank a certain local radio host who has you on his show every week to kind of up your profile is that a thing that may have gone down
1: well, I mean, the only reason I didn't is because I didn't give a speech. I mean, you know you ah, would have been okay. just so high on the list.
0: Okay, okay. All right, all right. Just had to follow up and make sure. Okay, Sarah, it's been yeah. a minute, and I always like it when there's a bit of a gap because it means I can ask you about a, a bunch of different things regarding the Utah Jazz. Let's just start with draft night. Obviously, a week ago, but it's been a couple weeks since we've had you on. So I just want to give you the space. What do you make of the what the Jazz were able to to do adding these three young prospects on draft night uh, which is almost a week ago now
1: yeah a little bit surprised that they actually ended up keeping all three of the picks uh, although because they you know have so much kind of roster flexibility right now it's not it's not the biggest surprise in the world but uh, we thought that there could be potential for them to move up a little bit and there was there were opportunities but they liked kind of the way that the draft board was falling as you know and I mean, Taylor Hendricks is a, is a great player to get at nine. And so I, I don't think that anyone was disappointed in that pick. Um, and everyone's very excited about where his development can go. His defense is so good. He's such a long and rangy and switchable guy, knocks down shots. And I mean, basically at this point, it's just about getting him up to speed on the NBA game and style of play and getting him a little bit stronger. He's a young guy. He's going to have to get in the NBA weight room and. Uh, so that he can be able to kind of deal with larger guys that he's going to be defending. Um, but I don't, I don't think that there's really any like question marks about him. Then, you know, once you've decided that you might be okay with keeping 16 and 28, I think that those are spots where you can kind of take some swings for players. And I think that that's what the Jazz did. So I'm not really, I'm not really as excited about Keontae George, I think that some as some other people would be or Bryce Senspa. But like again, when you're picking at sixteen and twenty eight and you have plenty of time to build your team up and you've got time to develop, uh I think they're very good picks for high upside with a little bit of risk. As far as George is concerned, I mean that guy is just a bucket getter and you know, he scores like he When you watch film on him from the college level, he looks like he's absolutely ready to just go get a bucket on an NBA court. His offensive game looks like it really translates well to the NBA, but the question there is like, are they actually going to be able to use him as a facilitator, as a playmaker? Can he, can he really play point guard in the NBA? I think that's what we're all kind of wondering. We'll get a little bit of an idea of it, I think, during summer league. I think they'll probably put the ball in his hands and kind of see what happens there and then throughout the rest of the season. And then at 28 with Bryce Sensaba he feels like such a, a high-risk, high-reward guy for me. I mean, number one, like very high character. All three of these guys are. Uh, and just seems like such a good, nice kid that's willing to work really hard. Um, the upside and the potential that he has is like – the way that he scores the ball, he looks like he could be a combination of like Demar Derozan and Desmond Bain. Like he's just so efficient, proficient, and skilled on that side of the ball. Um, and then the risks with him is that you know he's had three knee procedures, um, and he's he was only a freshman in college, and so there are definitely some question marks about whether or not he can stay healthy. And there's questions whether or not he can grow on the defensive side of the ball. But if you end up developing him and he's just a guy that you can plug into a game that can go get you a bucket at 28, there's not really anything to be mad about that.
0: So, Sarah, as you know, because we've talked about this before, I'm simply just always skeptical of rookies. I just don't trust them. <laughs> uh, Porter, real quick, there's some feedback in my ear. I'm not sure what's going on there. But, you know, like last year when there was this whole, like, hey, Jared Butler's an all-star. I'm like, he totally isn't. We need to stop saying that out loud. Um, so I'm always skeptical when it comes to pretty much any rookies outside of the can't-miss guys like Wem and So let's set some reasonable expectations. We'll go down the list. Let's start with nine, and let's let's start with Taylor Hendricks. I do think there's a lot of intriguing things about him. Uh, of course, the Jazz made a trade. We'll get to that at some point. But how would you articulate to Jazz fans what reasonable expectations should look like for Taylor Hendricks this year?
1: Yeah, I think you, you probably have, um, like, the, the, on the high side of expectations, you want to see him have a little bit of a trajectory that sort of like Walker Kessler did last season. He's not going to start, maybe start the year off starting games. Nobody's going to give him something that he hasn't earned yet. We know that Will, Will Hardy is not into giving unearned or what he calls free minutes. Um, but it would be really nice to see Taylor Hendricks slowly develop, work on kind of the flaws in his game and get a little bit stronger to where maybe at the end of the season we're seeing him uh, start to compete or fight for some starting minutes uh, depending on the position. And like you said, bringing in John Collins to that equation – after the trade might make that a little bit tricky, but like also being a really high upside, like guy that comes off the bench, but can give you like starter quality minutes. That's what you're looking for. Like no one is expecting him to be an all-star. No one is expecting him or uh, thinking that he must be rookie of the year. Anything like that. I think that we all know who's probably going to be in that category, but if he can learn by the end of the season to give you the kind of competitive and, like, high-tier minutes off the bench or even break into the starting rotation, that would be an incredible year for him.
0: All right, let's move over to Keontae. And full disclosure, I'm not as high on him as the Jazz are. Not as high on him as a lot of people seem to be. I would have gone Jalen hood shafino but I just blab about it on air, and they actually – Make decisions over there. So we're left with Keontae George. You broke down some of the things he does well, and I agree with you. He is a professional scorer. As Zanuck said, he's got a bunch of pro shots. That's certainly the case, but I'll just ask the same question. What would you say to Jazz fans, reasonable expectations should be this year for Keontae George?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he spent quite a bit of time uh, with the Stars and kind of going back and forth between the Stars and the Jazz this season. So you know, expecting him to be like a a plug and play guy in the rotation from day one. I don't know that that's actually going to happen. But you know, part of the thing about Keontae is that while he does look like a a really high level scorer, there's also some questions whether or not he can increase his efficiency and then be consistent with efficiency when he's in the NBA. And so I think that he's going to have to prove that a little bit in order to kind of break into the rotation and get regular minutes when they really matter. Of course, this is going to be a season where, you know, the Jazz are kind of playing with the roster. They're going to experiment with a lot of different things. And so, you know, throughout the first few months of the season, I don't know that we're actually going to see, you know, rotations and decisions made better that, that we can, you know, base the future on. And so, you know, if he's playing a lot of minutes through a certain stretch of the seasons, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think like, oh, well, they just believe in Keontae George and he's a part of the rotation now. Like, they're going to give him an opportunity. And I think that maybe not expectation for him, but maybe a better thing is like they need to learn from him whether or not he can play point in the NBA. And he needs to prove to the NBA world and the Jazz in particular that he can be an efficient scorer at this level.
0: Ohio State was down a bit this year, and so Bryce, Bryce Sensabaugh had a chance to really play a featured role, um, and there's a lot to like. I mean, he was a high-usage guy that also showed efficiency, which you don't see a lot from a young player. You referenced some of the health issues, which certainly are a concern. Uh, as Zanuck said during his media availability, uh, he's got to get in shape. He has to lose weight, and he doesn't guard, at least hasn't shown the ability to. At the collegiate level, maybe that will change. Um, but there, there is a lot to like as far as what he can do offensively. Shot nearly seven threes a game and shot over 40%. So just same question, Sarah. For Jazz fans, reasonable expectations for Bryce Sensabaugh sound like what?
1: Honestly, uh, for Bryce, uh, staying healthy all year. Like yeah. if there is another injury or if there are concerns, then that's when you start to think like, oh, maybe they swung at the 28th pick and it missed and he's not actually going to turn into what you want him to be. But if he can... You know, play, whether that's with the Stars or with the Jazz throughout the season, get on the court, um, just show some effort on the defensive end. Like you said, he hasn't shown that he can guard, Um, and no one's expecting him to be an all-NBA defender, but just he needs to show that he at least has some pride on that side of the ball. And so stay healthy and show that he is at least willing to defend.
0: All right, let's move over now to the transaction the Jazz made. They gave up basically nothing. And this is the new reality of the landscape of the league. And if you're a Jazz fan, you should be thrilled that Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck's timing a year ago, trading Donovan and Gobert, appears just to be spectacular. Those types of trades, we're not going to see him again. I mean, Washington couldn't even get one first for Brad Beal. So kudos to the Jazz front office for their timing a year ago. Uh, but they send away Rudy Gay, a future second-round pick, in exchange for... John Collins, who was 25 years old, three years left on his contract to the tune of $78 million, which is a little rich, in my opinion, for John Collins. But if you didn't feel like you were going to be able to get Austin Reeves or Kyle Kuzma or any of the other top-shelf free agents, I get it. I understand why they did it. What's your take on the deal, and what should Jazz fans know about John Collins?
1: Yeah, I mean, th- I think that the most important thing here is that it was it came at such a low cost. And... I know that he's, you know, like you said, his contract does seem a little bit rich to some people, Um, but he's under contract through the 25-26 season, I believe. And so as the cap continues to go up, you up each year, like these contracts that some of these guys like in his tier are on, those become, those look a little bit more friendly as the years go on. Um And he's a guy that I mean, he, he is such a tough player and he's going to be such a good guy to have in the gym to not only play alongside Lowry, but to always also mentor Taylor Hendricks. It just seems like the, the perfect type of guy for Taylor Hendricks to go against at practice and to be like competing with to try to get into the rotation and look up to and see like that's how you're successful at these type of positions. I just, I think that it's a really good move. And in order to get that, All they had to do was get rid of Rudy Gay, who we knew was not going to be a part of this future rotation, who likely would have probably been, like, bought out or waived anyways. And then a future second rounder, which the Jazz have a whole mountain of first rounders that they're going to use for future trades that are maybe, like, higher ticket trades. And so giving up a second rounder just, like, does not impact their future ability to make moves at all. And so, uh, and I understand from Atlanta's side like um uh, they're really trying not to be one of those like double apron teams now with the new CBA there's harsher penalties and they they didn't want to be anywhere near that their ownership has kind of made it known that they're not going to be willing to pay tax for a team that is not going to be a title contender and so when you lose in the first round or it's clear that you're not going to be even you know moving on to a conference finals uh, their their ownership group is just not going to pay for something like that and so getting off of John Collins contract really helps them out and gives them some financial uh, at least freedom not maybe not so much flexibility but it gives them a little bit more freedom to move
0: all right let's dig into a couple of other storylines according to uh Bobby Marks off season guide Kelly Olynyk's contract is set to become guaranteed today Sarah I have not seen any news on that do you have any Insight as to whether or not the jazz are guaranteeing Kelly's deal?
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any news as of today, but I, I asked Justin and Danny about this uh, at the season exit interviews, and and they bas- I mean Justin Zanuck basically said, like we like Kelly, we expect that he's going to be here next season. and so uh, it, it was all but a formality for his contract to become guaranteed.
0: All right, Horton Tucker picked up his. Any surprise there, 11 mil guaranteed for uh, THD?
1: No, I mean, uh, the market is going to be really strange this year, and so it's hard for me to imagine that anyone else would have been giving him, uh, you know, roughly $12 million or offering him more than he would have gotten here. I think that um, especially with the, you know, the recent moves that the Jazz made, who they actually ended up taking in the draft, you know, they the point guard position is still really unsettled for the jazz and i think that's something that they're going to be working through this season i know that they have chris dunn but and i think that they view him as you know a backup option i don't think he's the guy that they want playing you know 35 minutes a night or big minutes and i mean if it was my choice i really love chris dunn so i'd probably play him that but um i there's so many questions at that position because I know they were trying out and experimenting with Colin last season. They were experimenting with Talon last season and they're going to be experimenting a little bit with Keontae this season too. And so it's like, if they keep him under that, then they don't have to worry about going and finding someone else that they can experiment with. They can give him one more chance and see if he has what it takes. And then if his contract comes off the books, that's fine. If they extend him and they use him uh to flip in a trade down the road that'll be fine too and so it's it was zero surprise that he opted into it I don't think that the market was there for him to do anything but that um and um I don't really believe in him I think as an NBA point guard and so I think that eventually the Jazz are probably going to want to like move in a direction that seems more shored up at that position but why not you know test it out a little bit more while you have him on the roster
0: and and finally, Jordan Clarkson, we're awaiting word on Jordan. Uh, the contract is 14.3, but the cap hold is that times one and a half, which brings it closer to 20. And so I know the Jazz are probably curious. Maybe they already know. We certainly don't. Uh, any intel on when we're going to hear the decision and what that decision is going to be, Sarah?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm surprised that the – the news hasn't come out yet today. It should be coming out very soon, if not today, tomorrow then. Uh, I'm pretty sure that tomorrow, maybe maybe tomorrow evening is actually the deadline for him to either opt in or decline that player option. It really, really would not shock me if he were to decline the option, but then immediately re-sign with the Jazz for a deal. It would also not shock me if he were to kind of opt in and then extend with the Jazz at a higher pay grade for on that extension, a little, a little bit higher on the side of what maybe everyone is thinking that he's going to make on the market. And and then it really also would not surprise me if he just fully declines the player option and tests free agency. I mean, I think that there are probably teams out there that would be willing to get close to kind of that $20 million a year mark. And I think that with his production, his efficiency, uh, since he's joined the Jazz, uh, he's probably proven it at least enough for the way that free agency works to be able to command that kind of a salary. So this really could go one of three ways, but what I absolutely know for certain is that uh, Jordan has loved being in Utah. His family has loved it here for him, and he likes it, and he would he would love to stay, um, but he also uh, wants what's fair and wants what he feels like he, he's earned. And so that could mean going one of three ways, and all of them kind of would make sense from his perspective and from the Jazz's perspective. And so we'll be finding out very soon.
0: All right. Before I set you loose, I'm going to ask you a tough question here, Sarah, because basically we don't know what the Jazz have to spend in free agency, and we will, we will not know until what you just outlined becomes a reality. We don't know what the deal is with Clarkson, and we're still waiting on the Olenek guarantee, so because we don't know the number, I'm not going to ask you like specific names because we don't know if the Jazz is going to be in that neighborhood. But generally speaking, whether it's free agency or trades, what would you say to Jazz fans about the expectations of how the front office will proceed moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think there's a, you know, like you said, it, it's a little bit confusing right now because they could, depending on what happens in the next two days, you know, they could have anywhere from, you know, 7 million in room to, you know, 27 million or more in room. There, there could be a lot of different things that change over the next couple of days. And as history has shown us, like Utah is not the huge free agent getter. Right. But that's, that's why the jazz front office worked so hard over the last year to make sure that they have, you know, the asset cupboards are not bare. They are stocked full still. And so, I I would, and this free agent class honestly does is not that great. It kind of sucks, and so I don't think that they're going to be going out and like trying to pull in like the the biggest free agents that are out there, especially considering what this season is going to look like. Yes, they got John Collins. Yes, they still have Larry Markin and Walker Kessler, and like this team is going to be more competitive than it was last season. This is also going to be quite a year of discovery for the Jazz. Like this this season is really going to allow them to to try to compete, they're really going to go for it. But you don't know what the roster needs until you see how it all pans out. And so I think that's what this season is really going to be about, is like figuring out exactly where the holes in the roster are and where they need to upgrade. And if they're able to do that through a trade during this offseason, then they absolutely have the assets to make that happen. And if they're not, I think, as we saw on draft night, if it's not available and it doesn't make a ton of sense, they're going to be patient. And so I think that – I don't think that this is the, the offseason where we're going to see a bunch of huge waves for the Jazz.
0: All right, Your Highness. All right, Your Majesty. All right, Queen. Uh, appreciate your time. Congrats on your big night. Thrilled for you for real. And uh, thanks for the time. Have a good week. We'll chat soon.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks talking.
0: All right, there she is, Sarah Todd, from the Deseret News. She is uh, the Utah Sports Writer of the Year. She covers the Utah Jazz, and she has a podcast called Unsalvageables. Uh, Get her on Twitter, at NBA Sarah is where you find her.